what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. What you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Foot Candle Films here on the Mesh.TV podcast network. My name is Alan Jackson. I am one of the two founders and directors of the Foot Candle Film Society and Foot Candle Film Festival that you're going to meet on this podcast. The other one you may ask is sitting across the table from me. It is Chris Fry. Chris, how are you doing today? I am doing well. Looking forward to uh, seeing what you think about the movies we have in store for us. Yeah, that's, uh, that's what Foot Candle Films is about. We get together every couple of weeks. And we review a couple of new movies, talk about those films, our thoughts on them, uh, give you some guidance on what we uh, feel like might be worth your time to check out in the film community. Then we uh, try to cover some movie news items. We're going to do that later in the show as well with a few news items of some interesting projects or trailers that have come out that we want to talk about. And then we always end our show with each of us giving a recommendation of a film. Uh, Can be a new film, can be an older film, something we just feel like it's worth your time checking out online when you have a moment to do so. Uh, but Chris, we do have two reviews of films we're going to be discussing in the show today. First up, we will be talking about the Leia's uh, comedy action adventure from Ryan Reynolds called Free Guy. And then we'll be discussing the film Annette that is based off of, kind of as a nice link to a previous episode, uh, based on a story and music by the Sparks, uh, musical group Sparks but we actually have a film with Adam Driver and, oh my gosh, Marion Cotillard. I almost forgot the name there. (laughs) So that'll be our show today. Chris, are you ready to just jump right into our first review? Let's do it. All right. Our first review is Free Guy. Am I right, Joe? You said it, guy. Yeah! Don't have a good day. Have a great day. Everybody down on the ground! Hey, bud, you ever think that there's got to be more? More than what? The stuff we do day after day. Being shot at? Run over? Taking hostage? Everybody down on the ground! Today's going to be different. Hi. God, this isn't you. You don't do this, man. Maybe I do. Joe, this is scary. 
He's just resting. In pieces! That man is dead! He's so sleepy. But it's just a Chris, in the film Free Guy, we have Ryan Reynolds playing Guy, and he lives in a world that uh, we're introduced to early in the film, kind of an odd world in that there are some very interesting things happening around him, as we come to find out very early in the film, and basically if you saw any commercial or trailer for this film, realizing that he lives in a video game. He is a video game character. He's a bank teller. He discovers that he's what's called an NPC, which is a non-player character. And if you're familiar at all with video games, those are the characters that you interact with or uh, are somehow around you as you're conducting your action as a live player. Uh, But they are not supposed to have their own personality and desires or willingness to grow and develop as a character. But this is a story about Guy becoming... Free Guy in Free City, the game where he plays. Uh, Chris, I'll go ahead and say this. You know, Ryan Reynolds, um, we'll talk about him in the review a little bit because obviously this movie has a lot to do with how you react to Ryan Reynolds as the lead character. But I will say this. This trailer for this film, this is a film that was supposed to have come out like over a year ago, I believe. Right. Quite a while. I remember these trailers in the movie theaters and on commercials for a long time. Was it? Was it actually scheduled prior to the pandemic and then it was delayed and that pushed it into I the pandemic? So. Okay. I believe so, yes. Okay, wow. So it's been around for a while. And gotcha. even even on some commercials or online videos, Ryan Reynolds himself has made some interesting jokes about, huh, seems like this movie's come out already. <laughs> I didn't realize it was still coming out. Um, that being said, the trailer's been around for a while. I remember seeing the trailer the first time it came out and thinking, hmm. <laughs> Not terribly interested. That was a, you couldn't see that audience, but that was a shoulder shrug. Yeah, it was. It was a, a nice little shrug. <laughs> and it was also one of those where when, if it had come out pre-pandemic, I would not have really made any effort to go see it. Uh, not really had terribly much interest. As it stands, as you reminded me before our recording, this was my only third time back in a physical theater in the last basically year and a half. So... Was it worth the effort for me, Chris, to go to the theater to see Free Guy, in your opinion? Was this, should this have been the third film I go back to see in person in the past year and a half? Or should I have waited to see it uh, maybe when it came online? Uh, I'll have my opinions to share as well, but I want to hear yours first. So I guess, you know, the response to that, I I don't know where you stand specifically on the main star of the film, Ryan Reynolds. Um, As your opinion or as your love or hate of Mr. Reynolds goes, probably so does your um, desire to go see this movie Um, and whether or not you will enjoy this movie. Um, I I think you could have easily probably, knowing... Alan Jackson, the movie critic, I think you probably could have easily waited <laughs> until this uh, streamed on Netflix or before, you know, somebody got a hold of it and put it up online. Or maybe if your kids are really dying to see it, you could, you know, rent it for a couple of dollars and throw it up and just have some mindless entertainment. I, you know, the thing I will say about the film, and I give credit to Ryan Reynolds, is it works because I feel like what does work about it, it works because of him. Um, he, 
you know, he's got that he's he's known for a certain amount or a certain kind of brand of like sarcastic humor, sometimes self-deprecating, breaking the fourth wall type humor. And this this film is aware of that. It is PG-13. So, you know, he's working within some some confines there. But um, to me, it was kind of like a watered down um, Deadpool meets Wreck-It Ralph, Ready Player One Lego movie. Oh, wow. That, you, you combined four movies. Right. Because all of those have little, like Wreck-It Ralph, yeah. and Ready Player One, those are obviously video game ones. But then, you know, Lego movie specifically, and I forget the lead character. I mean, it's played by Chris Pratt, but like how he's just always happy right. and he's oblivious. That is kind of Guy's character True. at the beginning mm-hmm. of this. Yeah. So credit to Free Guy that while you may be borrowing some ideas from some of those movies, and I have, have no idea how long this movie was in development. We've talked mm-hmm. about how it was delayed once it was finally made, but, you know, was this being scripted before the Lego movie? I have no idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but all that being said, Ryan Reynolds is in it, but it's not a sequel. And in these day and age, to not be part of a franchise or something, to come up with something somewhat original, mm-hmm. you're kind of, you know, kind of taking a chance. So for me, I'll just kind of sum it up, you know, and let you say your opinion. It was just okay. Hmm. So what what were your thoughts on Free Guy? Um, I'll go a little higher. I had okay. a fun time with it. Oh, good. Um, good. Maybe it was the fact that I was just happy to be in the theater again. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I did have a good time with this movie. Okay. Um, it... Let me let me kind of back up. I, I've got a. I'm going to swap my hats here. I'm sure. I've got my Alan as somebody who just enjoys movies and likes to be entertained in a movie. Okay. I had a good time with it. I thought it was fun. I thought uh, the premise was interesting. I thought the premise actually had some level of merit. I mean, you know, you think about a film like this, and I think somebody who maybe isn't as familiar with computers and gaming and technology may think it's a very kind of abstract idea of a film. Gotcha. You know, I mean, I took my teenage son, who's an avid video gamer, with me to see the film. And we actually got into conversation on the way home. We're like, okay, there's actually some logic to mine from this concept of an idea of a film about these characters that you create, kind of creating this artificial life. And then this artificial life can actually be programmed to develop and grow and actually build on itself. And I think that's interesting. Um, and I like Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> okay. I think he's funny. I think he's definitely like you described. He's come into his element in these last several years. I, mean, I can remember he was in a lot of romantic comedies, a lot of other films and didn't really have a lot of personality. I think in the earlier films he did, you're right with the Deadpool and with the stuff in the last several years, he's absolutely found that this is his voice. And he he absolutely used it in this film. Maybe too much, possibly <laughs> a little too much. I, I think I could have done without some hmm. of the constant one-liners that are being fed by his character. Because um, there are times I can't tell if he's channeling Deadpool or if he's trying to channel Guy in this film. Sure. So I could have done with a little, little dial down in places. But I think overall he was absolutely game for the film. He was the right one to be in this film. Um, it works, like you said, largely because I think he does carry a lot of it. Now, I will say I, I like Jodie Comer in this. We didn't mention her yet, but she's kind of the co-lead as the a player who actually is in the game and meets Guy. And you come to find out she's got a much deeper connection to the game and what's going on in the real world. Uh, so, again, that whole storyline, 
I actually liked as well. Her kind of in the real world with her old partner and some of what's happening with the game company that's distributing this game and, and what's happening there. So overall, I'm having a good time with this movie. Now, if I flip over to my critics hat, <laughs> okay, yeah, it's 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 a, a it's a lot of visual. Um, uh, it's 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 heavy on the visuals. It's heavy on the one-liners. Um, they don't go too, too deep in any one area than, than they really have to for it to be good, uh, passable entertainment for a wide variety of demographics and audiences. Um, but overall, I think it worked. I mean, I had a good time with it. Um, See, I, you know, it's interesting, you know, you expect it to be visual because, you know, video games. So they're trying to, you know, achieve a lot of those, those looks and give you the look and feel of a world that's all entire inside a video game. I, yeah, I get that where it kind of, where it lost a little bit for me was in two, two, two kind of two instances. One was so seemingly intent on the fan service with reference references to games, which I get, you're going to get some of that, but constant, like in the, they show like real world things where YouTubers or people are mentioning that, Oh, this game's doing this or this game. And they kept cutting back and forth to that, which, you know, I give it credit to a little bit like, Oh, okay. They're showing you how this is like something like you mentioned, like this could happen. This is like some mm. giving you like a little bit of a foot in reality, but it just, it seems like they kept going back to it to where you see like maybe five or six different who I assume to be famous YouTubers, although I don't know. know. Mm -hmm. Um, I would have to ask like my son, like, Hey, do you know these people? Which he probably does. But to just me, an average moviegoer, that just kind of got old and Mm -hmm. irritating. Mm -hmm. And it was like a way that I guess for younger audiences or different target audiences, it would drag them along and keep them interested. But for me, it was just, Hmm. kind of boring um also the attempts at humor a lot of times or the attempts to engage kind of i guess along the same lines were just something i would call like low-hanging fruit hmm. it was just like instead of going deeper in some of the aspects about um somebody trying to create something original versus a sequel or something like that, it was all very surface level sure. they didn't really dig deep which granted it is more of a it's a pg-13 movie they're just trying to be entertainment not trying to give you much more Apparently, but there were seeds there that could have been watered a little sure. bit more and sprouted yeah. into something. And kind of where I'm talking about too, which I won't give anything away for people that haven't seen this movie. Um, although apparently it's done well enough that they're already talking about a sequel, <laughs> which mm-hmm. that kind of goes against some of the stuff that's trotted out in the movie as far as like original content versus sequel. But um, there is a battle sequence and towards the end where guy is up against this formidable foe, I mm-hmm. will say. Mm-hmm. And the film wasn't content to rely on one pop culture reference that helps him, <laughs> that helps him rally right. against a bad guy, but it throws two out there. Yeah. Now the first one, I would, actually you could technically say maybe three um, preferences that are all kind of pop. The first one I was like, okay, that's clever. And then the second one, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was the second one. I'm like, okay. And then the third one, which I was just like, okay, just enough. Like you can't, it was like they were really trying to get the crowd all rallied around and yeah. like start cheering with each individual reference. And I'm only coming up with two, but I, I'll, I'll talk with you yeah, afterwards. Yeah, I don't, sure I don't want to spoil it for people. Cause I, 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 am. I had fun with those. I thought they were fun. <laughs> I, I, yes, they were 
a little predictable. Yes, they were a little uh, ham-fisted the way they're handled, but I still had a good time with it. I, I, I will say this. As much as I rail against films that spend the whole last third act of the film basically in a CGI mishmash action sequence, and I get so overwhelmed and frustrated by them. Sure. This one, for being a movie in a video game with video game mechanics all around it, I actually thought, you know, it never got so overwhelming and so, so full of eye candy that it annoyed me. So I, I, I found it to actually be more digestible than I would have expected for it to be this computer generated world that they live in and where anything's possible and anything could happen. I didn't feel like they went too overboard with it where it still kept it, kept it comprehensible, kept it entertaining and, and, and relatively straightforward. So. You mentioned um, Ryan Reynolds and Jodie Cameron both, and I'd forgotten to mention her. And yeah, I, I, I was not aware of her really from mm-hmm. anything else, but she was good, especially how she played kind of a, she did play an in-video game person, avatar type person, but yeah. then she played a real-world person as well and kind of the differences between the two, what she was able to do. With- she's, uh, for people not aware, she's uh, mainly known from the TV show Killing Eve, okay. where she's very, very good. Okay. So this is actually the first movie I can think of seeing her in, but she's very good from that TV show. So something else that I knew going into the movie that uh, Taika Waititi was in the film, mm-hmm. and I was – I was disappointed. Yeah, I felt I like too. he was, I mean, with what I feel like he was probably given to do in the script is just playing this mustache twirling evil bad guy who, you know, he does play him as a little bit of a clown too. Like you never, you always think he's kind of an oaf, but I just knowing who Taika Waititi is and the other projects he's been involved with and how funny he can be. I just felt like they might as well have just given that to some random oh, yeah, person. No. I, I thought his so. his part was really – I was really disappointed because I like him. I was kind of looking for – I knew he was in the film. I was looking forward to seeing him in the film. And I just felt like all of his parts were just very, very predictable. Very The lines were not really that funny. He just – he wasn't really given a lot to work with parts-wise there. So it was a disappointment. Um, that is the one thing I would say was kind of a – I was let down by, not not as happy with. You know, you mentioned that, yes, of course, they're talking about sequels to this film. I I will give the film credit. The film seems on the onset to be pretty satisfied with saying this is a one and done story. Yes. Which I liked. I mean, it ended. Yes, I sat, my son and I sat through some of the credits to make sure there wasn't anything at the end. I was kind of happy to say, oh, there's not. (laughs) Okay, good. So they're not like setting up this big sequel. They're not setting up this other thing. Now that's fine. If if a film makes money and they want to make another one, I'm okay with that. But I like the fact that they went into this film saying, nope, you know what? We got it. We, We end on a good, positive ending note. The story's over. We're done. And it, the film works to that. I was so worried that it was going to end on some sort of, oh, but then this happens and now it's going to leave it open for some other future. And I didn't want that. Sure. Uh, so I was happy with that. Yes, they're going to make a sequel. That's fine. More power to them. But I, I like the one and doneness of, of the film itself. So. Well, and actually, you know, there's a chance, because <laughs> I always like to give people the benefit of the doubt. That in a sequel, now that kind of the rules are established and the characters are established, maybe they will kind of drill down. And it would actually be interesting to see it is a sequel, but in this original movie, they kind of Mm -hmm. rail against sequels and how the challenge to create something unique and new as opposed to just relying on sequels. So in a sequel film, it would be interesting to see if they kind of break the – not break the fourth wall necessarily, but kind of don't 
mention that and kind of like grapple with that. That yeah. could make me like the sequel possibly better than this original. So, uh, just a couple other quick call outs I'll give. Uh, Lil Ray Howery as his friend Buddy, Guy's friend Buddy, I thought was really fun and good. He plays like role. the police officer that's yeah, with him security in the bank guard at the bank at, where yeah. Guy works. Um, and also, you had Joe Keery from Stranger Things that mm-hmm. you may know him. Um, what is the person he plays in Stranger Things? What is his name? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. He's like got the great hair. And he yeah. Just, you know, he's the one that all the girl, like he yeah. works at the ice cream shop. I it, cannot remember his name. I don't name. remember name either. Dang. Anyway, Joe wow. Keery plays Keys, who, as I mentioned, is another one of the um, programmers who has a past history with Jodie Comer's character, Millie. And you follow the two of them a lot more in the real world, kind of with a side plot of what's going on. Steve. Steve. Steve is Steve his name in Stranger, Stranger Things. Things. Yeah. I thought he was really good too. So again, all the actors, with the exception of Taika Waititi's part, I thought were really good and kind of into this and, and were giving it their all. Um, seemed to be enjoying the world they were in and, and playing with. Um, some, there's some sweetness to the film. I think there's some nice moments towards the end. Uh, you know, I thought, it, again, I, I thought it was a good movie. If anything, I said to say just more of the pedestrian surface level directing that I think was going on in the film. And it is directed by Sean Levy, which, you know, Sean Levy has directed a lot of comedies, a lot of films over the years. Um, Trying to think of some specific ones. He's been, you know, very, very productive as a producer, but in the director side of things, um, gosh, I'm looking back over real still date night, night at the museum movies, uh, the pink Panther cheaper by the dozen, you know, so a lot of, family slash very just generally acceptable movies that, you know, people seem to generally like. Sure. And I think this falls in that category. I don't think he really stretched its boundaries any from a director standpoint. Um, do I wish it had gone a little more, a little deeper, a little more interesting in some of these high level concepts? Yeah, sure. Do I wish Ryan Reynolds was maybe a bit more dialed in to the character of guy and not bringing in his more snarky persona from time to time? <laughs> yeah. But overall, I, I, I got to say, I had a good time. And even my 14-year-old son, who's very, very critical on movies at this age, had a good time and liked this movie. So okay. take that as it is. So, yeah. <laughs> sure. Um, so that's Free Guy. Anything else, Chris? No. Get that, that on that? No. Free Guy. It is still playing in theaters, only in theaters right now, although it is fast-tracking to go online. I think it's going to be online just within a couple of weeks. They Interesting. They actually said – it was going to be a fairly short theatrical only run for this film. Hmm. And it is going to be online a lot sooner than normal. Um, and I'm, I'm giving it a recommendation, Chris, you're, you're giving it a, yeah, I, I, I think it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. All I wouldn't right. run out like, you know, for casual moviegoers, if you want something to just turn your brain off, sure. But it's, you know, it's, and I, I guess it, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just okay. Chris is giving it the most lukewarm yeah. recommendation possible. Yes. I'm going to go a little higher and say, ah, I had a good time with it. I thought it was a fun movie. So that is Free Guy. Your mileage may vary depending <laughs> on your opinion of Mr. Ryan Reynolds. That's kind of the best way to sum it up there, I think. All right, Chris, let's move on to our second review, which is the film Annette. First time I fell in love. Woke up next to the girl and escaped fast and far. But Anne has changed me. What I see in her is obvious. What she sees in me is 
little more puzzling. One, two, three, four. After a brief monologue asking audience members to be quiet and refrain from breathing, among other things, for the film's runtime, Annette opens with musicians in a studio, including the band Sparks, with the film's director, Leos Carax, in the engineering booth. Carax asks into a studio microphone, so, may we start? Then Russell Mayle, lead singer of Sparks, kicks off the musical nature of the film, addressing straight to the camera with the lyric, so may we start, and proceeds to leave the studio, followed by Ronald, his keyboardist brother, and is joined by the film stars Marion Cotillard and Adam Driver as they walk down the city streets. With this ambitious beginning, how did the rest of the film, one that details the tumultuous relationship between Driver's edgy comedian Henry McHenry and Cotillard's opera star Anne Defranu and their daughter Annette, work for you, Alan? Well, you just described the opening five minutes of this film. Yes. Which, in my mind, were the best five minutes of this film. Um, I wish the rest of the film could have lived up to the really, really great opening it started with. Um, this is a film that is interesting. It is, I think, worth a watch. I'm still, I'm, I'm going to say I think it's worth watching. But I wish it just lived up to more of what I feel like the talent and the story deserved. And otherwise I felt like we had a great opening and I will say a great closing minutes to the film, but the entire middle hour and 40 minutes, um, it's kind of a slog and a little, (laughs) a, a little underwhelming on its ambition. I think you had some really interesting ideas and we can kind of dig into those a little bit more. I think you had some good performances, but it just didn't gel into something engaging for the duration of the film. And unfortunately, as much as I love Sparks, I think the music had something to do with that, where I think I maybe I was going in expecting more songs and there weren't really many songs. There was a lot of musical accompaniment and characters breaking out into song, but it never amounted to much more than just uh, more pedestrian opera, which, you know, is not what I was really looking for in this film. And I think it really just kind of slowed it down and brought it to where it just was really hard to stay as engaged with the characters and with the story in general, because of that, I can go into more specifics, but I was underwhelmed. 
I still think it's worth watching, but I think it's a real, it's a shame that as much talent and creativity I knew was around the table at this film, it just didn't, it didn't pay off for me. It did not elevate this film like I was hoping it would. What's, uh, what's your overall thoughts there? So I'm just going to say same, and that's oh, the end okay. of the review. End of the review. We're done. <laughs> no, <laughs> I think go, going into the film, I had seen uh, a short by Leo's Carax, which I can't even remember the name of, and then um, I saw Holy Motors way back a couple of years ago. So I knew this guy was all about you know abstract and had a really unique visual eye and would stage things really interestingly and didn't care about staying in the realm of reality. Mm-hmm. So I was like, Cool. He's kind of like a more of a psychedelic David Lynch in mm-hmm. some ways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I was like, okay, that sounds interesting. You take Adam Driver, who I don't think I've ever seen him in anything that I didn't like. Mm-hmm. Um, any film and Marion Cotillard. So you know, you take those two. I was like, okay, cool. Check, check. You know, actors, director, awesome. And then the fact that this new band—well, not they're not new, as we discussed in our previous podcast. They've been around for like fifty years, but they have always been interested in film and had tried two times previously to do something with film and it fell apart. Well, now they finally got their chance and I, I being newly introduced to their music. I like their music. And yeah, I was kind of same page with you really looking forward to it. That opening five minutes or so, you know, the opening number amazing. I can't imagine. Unfortunately, I did watch this once it came on Amazon. I didn't see it in a theater. I can't imagine what a wonderful experience that would have been to actually see this movie in the theater. See those opening five minutes in a theater. Like I probably would have wanted to stand up and clap. You know, Mm -hmm. it was that amazing. But like you say, afterwards, that was like it was a tease. That was a tease. Like, hey, look, this is what. And you're like, oh man. And then the rest of the film completely kind of like just really pulled back except for a couple of instances which we'll probably touch on it really pulled back and surprised me because it was just very kind of pedestrian kind of typical story of guy falls in love have they have this relationship but it doesn't work out and he's like a miserable person and just kind of a decline like let's look at somebody famous who can't deal with fame and then a decline that happens and then you get to an ending and that's kind of, there weren't really a lot of surprises. Well, there's some surprises well, in the way things were handled. Maybe. I, I would say, let, and I think we should back up because we never really mentioned exactly what the plot was for this film sure. necessarily. Uh, Adam Driver does play a stand-up comedian. Marion Cotillard plays uh, his opera singer wife. And both of them on very uh, upward trajectories in their careers and to a certain point, And then they have a child together. And that's when some careers maybe don't flourish at least on the comedian side and they wrestle with raising a child and what it does to their relationship. And then things go a little astray from there. We'll just leave it at that. Fair enough. Um, Yeah. You you mentioned the film goes a little more pedestrian. I think it's hurt by the fact, I mean, I got to just admit after that opening sequence and the Adam driver character leaves to go to his stand up performance, which I thought was really just, not done very well. I mean, it's almost like a 10 minutes of him on stage. Not, I understand he's trying to play this very, like the crowd loves him as it's being this very brash and irreverent kind of comedian. Right. But he's not 
engaging at all to watch in any way, shape or form on stage. So that just kind of deflates a lot of that energy out of the film, like early on. And it never really picks it back because up. Because he's not, he's not doing anything interesting other than just kind of shouting. So you can't see like why people would get something out of it. And right. the stuff that if he's supposed to be a comedian, it's not being particularly funny, funny either. Well, so you're I mean, like, what, that's what's the thing happening is if you here? need us to buy into him as a character in his career, we have to believe why the audience is so enthralled by him. Right. And we never get that. I never get <laughs> no. that. Um, now, the Marion Cotillard opera singer, there's a little bit more to that because, I mean, and I don't think it's Marion actually performing, singing, it's an opera right. singer doing the Dumped voice. In, sure. But it's a really, you know, incredible performance of someone on stage. So you kind of get the accolades for her. Right. Anyway, that all being said, um, I mean, we have to get to the one <laughs> key interesting note of this film that if you were to hear this described, you think, oh, well, this definitely is this very artistic, creative film. Uh, you know, the daughter they have, whose name is Annette, um, is a puppet. Yeah. Um, the entire puppet. film. Kind well, like Pinocchio. With minor exception, it's it's a puppet. Sure. And um, it's nobody acknowledges that it's a puppet. It's just a puppet. Right. And it's a puppet that can sing. Yes. So we will just leave that out there. That does propel the latter half of the film and kind of what happens with their, their careers and their fates in general is how to work with this uh, child that can sing as a several month old puppet. Um, <laughs> so anyway, yeah. it's interesting uh, from that standpoint. And again, if I'd heard that description looking on the outside, I'm like, Oh yeah, this film is going to be very unique and very interesting. The problem is for me is that outside of that element it doesn't really do as much with it and it doesn't have as much to say about it as I thought it would right. for the duration of the runtime. So uh, again, I love the way it ended and it does kind of play with this concept in the end. And it does open up some interesting questions and discussions, I think at the end of the film, but I felt like we just wasted an hour and a half of our time kind of getting to that point and doing something interesting with it. So that being said, let me get a couple positives out of the way, though. Okay. And I want to hear some more from you. Um, I thought the acting was all good. Yeah. Um, Adam Driver, I'm with you. I like everything Adam Driver does. Probably my least favorite role of his. You know, something interesting. Mm -hmm. um, I, and I like Adam Driver, and I, I agree. I'm on the same page. I think the acting in the film was yeah. good. But something, and maybe it was him trying to play, and the character in the film that he plays, Henry McHenry, he's obviously kind of, you know, very moody. He's always yeah. very interior in his head and seemingly never really happy. Yeah. Um, and it distracted me at first during that opening number, which I love. Everybody else, like Marion Cotillard, is like smiling and the Sparks Brothers behind them when they're seeing, like they seem like they are just having the time of their life. And Adam Driver doesn't. He said, and there again, maybe it's because I think he's, he's already, already trying to get head the character. Because the character. even at the end of that opening song, he walks away. All of the singers are like, "Bye, Henry, have a great and show." Does. And his name is Henry, and right. they don't call him Adam. They don't call right. him. It's Henry. Right. So I almost get the impression of he was being Henry during the song as well, which I'm okay with. I just felt like in general, I, 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 I was hoping he could do more with the part, sure. and I don't really feel like he did. Um, Marion Cotillard, I thought was great. I will say Simon Hel Helberg, 
um, as her accompanist and yeah. eventually becomes a conductor. Right. Very good. Yeah. Uh, I've only known him from The Big Bang Theory, and I think he was in a Coen Brothers movie once. But otherwise, not much else I know him from, but he was really, really good in that role. I, I would agree. He was he was good. And actually, some of the enthusiasm and stuff that he brought, I yeah. kind of thought, you know, and now they're getting, the more I, I will say, um, this film, even though I wasn't as high on it as I wanted to be, I wanted to like it a lot more, it has stuck with me just thinking about some of the things yeah. in it. And because it's so such a thinking person's movie, I guess you could say, now sitting here talking about it and me calling out Adam Driver's or his character and how his character in the film and how he portrayed that character and what you said about how like even in the opening minutes they call him Henry McHenry so he's already in that role. Even though seemingly they were breaking the fourth wall but yet they weren't because they referred to mm-hmm. him by their names. Maybe that's actually kind of an interesting point um, is that he played him that way on purpose. That character is that way on purpose because as the audience, we're supposed to look and see, you know what? This Henry McHenry character, there is nothing to him. He is nothing special. And I don't know, something about that. Instead of like glamorizing everybody who's famous and glamorizing everything, it's just like, no, he's just a regular person. Could be. And something about. It's possible. Yeah. But again, the film doesn't do enough with that. Sure. I, I think that's the problem that we're, we're dealing with is that regardless of how his character is meant to be seen, the film itself doesn't seem to really know how to how to how to, how to handle that, um, and I really I mean yes there are three to four moments of this film that I could pick out and say those are great moments or scenes or events that happen, and then the rest of it's just kind of a it's just kind of a blur and that's a shame because a film like this with this much talent around it should have more than just two or three moments that I want to call out and see again. It should work as a film and it just doesn't to me work as a complete film. Um, so some of the moments, I think yeah. we both talked about the the opening musical number that sure. we're both, we both like you mentioned uh, Simon Hilberg's performance and specifically, you know, he was, he's a composer and then he's a conductor or an accompanist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I think we've talked off mic about how one of the things we appreciated was he would be in the process of trying to conduct and he would be singing and kind of talking to the us, the audience. And he'd be like, hold on a second. And then he would turn around and like conduct. Well, and he, he broke the fourth around. wall, which yeah. unfortunately was one of the only times that that happened, which again, it's like, okay, if you're going to make the conceit being that this film is kind of blurring the line between acting or talking to an audience and an audience is present at all times. The film just doesn't do enough of that. That one moment you mentioned is wonderful. I've actually gone back and watched that scene because I love it, (laughs) but it's just a scene. That's that's the thing. It's not a film. It's a couple of scenes that really work well. Uh, The closing, I will say the closing scene, there is a scene dialogue between two characters that, was really good and almost redeemed the whole film for me to say, wow, okay, Mm. this is a great film because of that closing. Um, Is it enough to make the entire two hour running time or two hours and 20 minute running time worthwhile? Not as much, but that ending comes pretty close to me. So I did love that, that closing. The way they did decide to have this final dialogue between these two characters. Yeah. That, that does manage to kind of, it brought it back around. It does. Because then yeah. it almost lost me up at that sure. point at the end of the film. Um, 
And then you mentioned that you liked uh, Annette's Super Bowl performance. I did. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. For those just listening to this review, not having watched the movie. Yes. Annette, the puppet, <laughs> performs at the equivalent, equivalent of a Super Bowl right. halftime show. With all the fanfare. Brought in yeah. by four drones, I, I think. Believe, I believe Hoisting so. her into yes. the st- stadium. Yeah, it's... It's a movie. It's It's got some interesting <laughs> concepts to it. But again, even as bizarre as that may sound or interesting as that may sound, the film as a whole just does not live up to these interesting concepts and ideas like it, like I felt like it should. So, And I, I think I admire, even though the film doesn't work as a whole, you know, you and I have talked about how there are parts of it that we really like. One part that I didn't work for me, but I still admired his the director's brashness and just how he decided to stage it. There's some scenes that take place in a boat out on a rough scene or rough sea at night, and Adam Driver and Marion Cotillard are like arguing. They're out on the deck of this boat, and you know the boat's moving and you see water, but it is clearly on a green screen sure. with like big waves crashing around it. And that's just embraced. It's like, yep, this is this is how this is. Yeah, there's no no effort to try to break break you know create any sense of reality from it. Right, so, and I kind yeah. of admire that just the yeah. just putting that out there. Again, moments like that work. It's just you know it's a two and a half hour movie story yes. that is just moments of really interesting brilliance, uh, couched by just a lot of very pedestrian. I mean, it's a it's a simple story. It's a simple fable, really. At the at the end of the day, that didn't that need telling. to be two and a half hour, almost and it, two and a half and hours. It, if you're going to do the interesting things with the story that you kind of promise in the opening sequence or show in the closing, let's let's do it throughout. Let's let's have fun with this film and not let it get bogged down by what's a fairly traditional storytelling, you know, throughout the most of the film. So I think also you and I mentioned the music and that we were really looking forward to it. And you talked about or hinted that maybe it it's, takes on more of like an opera form. Yeah. And that's something like I've been to an opera before. It's not my preferred mm-hmm. <laughs> type of genre, but I guess that's maybe my, when I think musical, which is what the, you know, people were kind of saying about this. I think something like in the Heights or, you know, West Side Story, something like that. And this took on more after that opening song. You're right. This took on more of like an opera thing where dialogue is sung, but not as really a song. It's just kind of lilted yeah. along and sung. And so that kind of just left me, left me cold. And it was also inconsistent too. I mean, it's like you'd have some moments where just in the middle of a conversation, a character would just sing a line and then it just, but there wasn't really any reason for it. It's like, okay, so why why was this portion sung and other parts weren't? And I don't know. And, and then even the the singing portions is nothing musically interesting about what they're doing. Um, really, they're two songs, like true songs, and the ones and they're both really good. <laughs> but that's about it. I mean, the rest of it is just more orchestral weaving and dialogue into musical elements. So um, overall, uh, a disappointment. I'm still going to say it's worth a watch. I think for people who have listened to this review and said, you know what, there's enough here they're talking about that's interesting to me. Okay, yeah, I think it is on Amazon Prime. If you are an Amazon Prime member, you don't pay a dime. You for get this. to see it for free. It is worth <laughs> watching. It is long. It doesn't do as much with I think what's on the table to work with in this film. Overall, it was a disappointment for me, but 
uh, somebody coming in with no expectations or not knowing anything about the talent involved may may walk away with something more than we did. And the thing that I I also am ex- no, I'm, I'm I guess I'm proud of Adam Driver. That sounds stupid, but I'm glad he you know he has this career where he's made you know, he's in the Star Wars movies. He's also done stuff like Patterson and Black Klansman, which you know so he's had quite an interesting career already. And he, he was one of the producers uh, on this film. So he's like, got probably got pitched the idea. He's like, yep, I'd like to do it. I'll even put some money behind it. And so like, I can't wait to see what he does next. And I, you know, sure. he's got a lot more movies ahead of him, but just the fact that he has this like interesting thing that he decided to do in his career, kind of, you know, I don't think a lot of star Wars people that, you know, <laughs> expected him to do something like this. Yeah. So I mean, granted he did sing a little bit in marriage story. So people saw that he well, could he's sing. He's done a lot of interesting so. work and with very, very, uh, a wide variety of directors. True. I mean, star Wars is obviously the most commercial thing he's done. Sure. But um, no, I, I still still love everything Adam Driver does. And Marion Cotillard, I've always liked everything she does yeah, as well, good. too. Um, I will say, I just getting again, into spoiler no, territory, yeah. I was surprised um, how little she was in this movie. <laughs> Marion Cotillard? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I didn't yeah. expect her to disappear quite as suddenly yeah. as she did. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I'll just leave it at that. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> um, so that is Annette. It is on Amazon Prime. It's uh, yeah, it's played at some select theaters. I think it's in bigger markets, but most people are seeing it on Amazon Prime. That's and really the way you can Leos see it. Leos right Carax did win Best Director at the Cannes Film Festival for it. So he did. That. Very, very true. We didn't even really talk about from the directorial standpoint as much, but I think everything we've talked about concern of some of the lack of originality and some of the lack of cohesiveness throughout the film. Uh, may may kind of rely on rest with him to some degree. Um, I think the screenplay, you know, the story's good. I just don't think it was told in a very interesting way. We'll tell it that way. All right. So that is Annette. Again, Amazon Prime. It is available to watch if you're a Prime member right now. All right, Chris, let's take a quick little break. When we come back, we've got a couple of news items. We're going to talk about a new trailer that was released for a film that we want to dissect a bit. And then we're going to wrap up the show with our recommendations for the episode. So a lot more to come still on Foot Candle Films here on the Mesh.TV podcast network. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative, a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. Welcome back to Foot Candle Films here on the Mesh.TV podcast network. Chris and I, in the first half of the show, reviewed the films Free Guy and the film Annette. Uh, But now let's move on to some movie news items. Before we get to that, though, just want to mention really quick, Chris, you can help me do the plug on this. Okay. Uh, At the time of this show recording, we're uh, just under a month away from our seventh annual Foot Candle Film Festival which will be coming up September 22nd through the 26th of 2001. Uh, That will be held here in beautiful Hickory, North Carolina. Most of the films taking place in downtown Hickory uh, at a local uh, Hickory community theater. But then we also have some other events scattered around the rest of the area as well. Um, Chris, how can people get more information about the festival or come join us or anything else? Sure. So uh, you can go to footcandlefilmfestival.com. 
there you can find out about getting tickets. There are going to be options that will have in-person screenings at the Hickory Community Theater, Alan mentioned. Um, if you live in North Carolina and maybe you don't live near Hickory but still want to see the films, you will be able to. They will be available online. For instance, if a film is in-person screens, has it premieres on Friday, then starting Saturday morning, you can go online and watch the film. If you didn't come and see the in-person screening, you can go see it online. So we have both options available. So that gives a little bit of an opportunity for people that don't live locally to uh, attend the festival. So. Again, it's just within the state of North Carolina for yes. the virtual. So just to apologize to anybody not living in the state, but um, that is the one restriction we have to have on the online film screenings. So yeah, it's going to be going on that weekend. And uh, last weekend in September 22nd through the 26th, bookcandlefilmfestival.com. Go check it out. And uh, we hope to see you uh, or see you virtually or see you here in person, whatever it may be at that time. It uh, should be a lot of fun. 36 films? Something like 36, 37 films. Yeah, A lot of films to be cramming in over a five-day period. Yes. But uh, we're up for the challenge. It should be fun. <laughs> All right, Chris, let's get into some movie news. Talk about some upcoming projects or uh, things that have been either announced or in one case, we're going to be talking about a trailer that just came out for a film that's going to be nearing release soon. But uh, let me start us off with the first one. This is a news uh, announcement. Uh, early, early stages of film production, but uh, still worthy talking about. Okay. Um, Garfield 3. You, you don't know how close you are. Really? There, are, there, is, a t- <laughs> there is a talking cat in oh. this film. Um, the Lion King. Ah. If you recall, The Lion King, uh, obviously the classic animated film mm-hmm. that Disney released. Well, they, they did a, they call it live action, although I still have a real tough time with that <laughs> description because every animal is still photorealistic CG, but they did a more realistic looking version of the Lion King. How about that? Gotcha. Uh, back in 2019. So only a couple of years ago, um, they have announced that they are doing a prequel to that film. Uh, prequel is going to be all about Mufasa, who is the, the father lion in the original Lion King story. Um, and they've already talked about who they've cast as Mufasa, Kelvin Harrison Jr., who I believe, was that the one from um, Kelvin Harrison Jr.? He was in the, wasn't he in the film that we both really liked? Um, God, that was a great description I just gave you. <laughs> I'm of a film. It's a film we both liked. The name sounds vaguely familiar, but Gee, other than that, is. I am blanking on who this person is. Oh my gosh, is. I am. I'm sorry. Kelvin uh, Harrison Jr. He was in the film Waves. Oh, okay. Um, I feel like he was in something else too. Anyway, He sorry. was really good in – oh, um, dang. <laughs> I got you on this one too. You did. Right. Uh, the other film he was in was actually a foot candle yes. screening we did. Yes. And it was about um, – one Man of your favorite films a, of the year. Who had been adopted. Yes. One of his parents was Tim Roth. Yes. Yes. And I am yes. absolutely blanking we on We don't remember the name of the film. Dang. All right. We'll have to get back to that. Yeah. But yeah. That's who it is. Okay. <laughs> that's who the guy is. Gotcha. Um, anyway, he is going to be playing the voice of... Uh, um, of Mufasa? And he's going to be... No, he's going to be Scar. Oh, okay. Aaron Pierre, Aaron Pierre is going to be Mufasa. Luce is the name of it. Luce. There you go. L-U-C-E, Luce. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Okay, good. I can, I can rest. <laughs> Phew. <laughs> um, all that said and done, I never saw the 2019 Lion King. I did go back and confirm. I remember seeing something with photorealistic animals in that time period. That was the Jungle Book version that came out a couple years before that. Uh, the 2019 Lion King, I did not see. Did you? So, okay. We had talked that we were going to discuss this story online. And I was like, yeah, I can't remember if I've seen it. Thank you to Letterboxd. I have seen it. I gave it a one and a half oh, star review. That's and one's bad. And yeah, it's <laughs> like a one, one's, one, one's one bad, to five. Five's good. Right. right. Yeah. And my only comment was the riff on Be Our Guest was amusing. The other 117 minutes, not so much. So Oh, okay. So this is this was the Lion King, not the Beauty and the Beast remake. Correct. We were doing. This is the Lion King. So I actually did see the, the Lion King remake. Okay. So well, here's where my story is eventually leading to. All this was just set okay. up for my for But I've my also seen story. the Beauty and the Beast remake as well. So yeah. Both okay. Um, they are making the prequel. It's going to be all about Mufasa and Scar. Hmm. And the director is going to be Barry Jenkins. He of Moonlight, The Underground Railroad, If Beale Street Could Talk. Mm-hmm. All great of, director. All of which I've seen. Yes. All of which I like. You saw the Underground Railroad as yes. well. Mm-hmm. Well, you and I have not talked you about reco- that. But you recommended it on the show, and I put it on my watch list. And I impressive, it. right? Yes. Um, we'll get into that. We yeah, can, I, I keep derailing us from the story. Visually but. impressive, story wise, I felt like it could have been condensed down. Sure, it could especially have been, because but, I read the book that it was. But based I had such on. a good time with but, the visual okay. side of it. So okay. yeah. Anyway, Barry Jenkins, wonderful director. We like his work. Um, so he's doing the Lion King prequel. Surprising to me. Um, because you mentioned, you know, Disney's term live action. They kind of did that with, I think the jungle book was the first one they did that with. That was directed by John Favreau. John Favreau also directed the Lion King, the, the 2019 version. So it's interesting. They said, you know what, instead of having John Favreau direct this one, we're going to step away and they bring in somebody like Barry Jenkins. So... Well, I, I'm 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 intrigued. Oh, yeah. Only because you know Barry Jenkins. It's in all intents and purposes, he's directing an animated film. Okay, it's just a computer animated sure. film. Sure. Which he hasn't done, to my knowledge. No, I don't think so. No. Um, it is a sequel or a prequel, I guess, in this situation to a beloved story. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Now, could Barry Jenkins add a lot more to this film to make it really interesting? Watch. Sure. Could it be just a Simple Disney cash grab. Yes, it could be. I don't know. But I'm anxious to see uh, what this looks like when it comes out. I would not have been interested at all in another Lion King movie, especially after I gave the live action, you know, 2019 version a shot and didn't think it was good. But the fact that, yeah, Barry Jenkins doing this, I'm like, well, okay, yeah. Maybe maybe something's so. going to be there. Yeah. So, uh, I just think it's interesting. I mean, there's a lot of high-profile directors that get brought into, or not high, a lot of up-and-coming independent directors that get brought into these big high-profile projects. We're going to have uh, Chloe Zhao doing The Eternals, the big yes. Marvel movie here coming up in a couple months. And there's a lot of actually Marvel movies and DC movies that have really tapped some really big up-and-coming directors. So... Yeah, could this be some of the same thing? Maybe Disney's saying, you know, it's that we need to kind of tap in that same idea of getting really interesting directors that can bring some more creative choices to our work. Because maybe they looked at it and said, you know, The Lion King was did okay for us, but it, we expected it to be bigger. Because I think that's the biggest takeaway is that, yeah, it was big, <laughs> but it wasn't 
as big as I think Disney was hoping. And maybe they're realizing that people need a little bit more, something of more interest to make the, the film really stand apart. And maybe uh, Barry Jenkins is the key. I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> anyway, interesting news. I, I will admit when I read that, I was kind of did a double take. I'm like, <laughs> really? Okay. All right. That's not what I expected for his next project, but so be it. Um, Chris, yes. speaking of upcoming projects, you've got a trailer that you want me to see, I believe. Yes. Um, Kristen Stewart is going to be portraying Princess Diana, Lady um, Diana Spencer. Uh, and uh, mm-hmm. in the new film, Spencer, by uh, director Pablo Lorraine. So. Pablo Lorraine, I know, did the film Jackie. Yes. That we showed here at our Foot Candle film screening several years ago. Yes. Uh, it was one of our most popular screenings we had at the time, pop, uh, attendance-wise. And I really liked the film. I liked it quite a bit. Uh, I remember us reviewing it, and I was really impressed with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's doing a similar treatment with Princess Diana. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, so let's uh, hear a little bit watch of the, the trailer. trailer. Yeah. All right. Let's watch the trailer, and then we'll talk about it afterwards. waiting for you. everything they don't so alan um obviously if i brought this to the table as a a news item i guess we could consider it kind of a trailer tapas segment Mm -hmm. um but i don't consider this a tapas like a little thing i consider this like a huge main course because of the the pedigree behind the film both the director the actress um and i thought the trailer was amazing what did you think i really liked the trailer as well (laughs) And weaving in a little Lou Reed, uh, Perfect Day in there Which as well. I know you're a big Lou Reed fan. I am a big Lou Reed fan. I love that song. As soon as I heard the opening notes, I'm like, yep, you got me, Mr. Trailer. <laughs> I'm hooked. No, and then also being popular Lorraine, you know, who I really liked his style with Jackie. And it looks like he's carrying on a very similar style here visually as well. Uh, and Kristen Stewart, I think, is a really interesting actress. I, I haven't. I'll be honest, I haven't really, I don't think I've really seen anything where she has just completely won me over as Mm. an actress, but she's come really close in a lot of places. And I love the choices she's making as an actress in recent years, working with some really, uh, a a nice variety of directors as well. So all that being told, yeah, I'm on board, I'm ready, and uh, I'm looking forward to this. And I, I, you know, who knows who's responsible for editing the trailer, Um, but with the opening notes, I recognized it as Lee Reed, but it immediately, because of the way it's not just a Lee Reed song, but it's done with kind of your children's choir motif. Mm-hmm. And I immediately flash back to the um, social network trailer that yeah. used the creep song, but done as by like a children's choir. 
And it gave, and I loved, I liked that trailer, loved the trailer, and I really liked the movie as well. And so this, you know, here we go, expectations, they're soaring. Yeah, I know. But, you know, this trailer I thought was just no, it, spot it, on. It did exactly what a trailer is supposed to do. Establish a mood. It doesn't Establish give you a whole a lot of stuff behind the Give you scenes, enough information to know what the film's going to be like and, and what it's covering, but without sharing anything that makes you think you can – you know the film before you see it. And one of the things that also excites me is the fact that this film is going to be coming out in the November, December timeframe. Mm-hmm. So when you have stars, subject matter, and director that seems like a prestige type Oscar type grab, but then they're pushing it at this time, you're like, okay, so you really think it's got a chance. You know, so well, it kind of makes me think like, okay, this this could be really good. And just like uh, I did read up about this film before, uh, I at least had read about it, I hadn't seen gotcha. the trailer yet. I know that the film is really meant to cover a very limited period of time in uh, Diana Spencer's life. Gotcha. And I think it was in the later days of her life as the marriage with Prince Charles Starts is to. on the decline. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot more uh, paparazzi and rumors and other things floating. I think it's dealing with all of that time period, which I like as well. I mean, you and I have talked that we don't really always like when biographies try to cram everything in. Sure. And with Jackie, it was very much the same way. It was. He focused on just telling the story of Jackie Onassis in those several month period around her husband's assassination. And well, I think, you know, we're looking at a very similar storytelling here. And we've talked about how Pablo Green has a very specific visual style and is very, he's very good at that. And he picks an actress like Natalie Portman mm-hmm. for Jackie, who just became that person yeah. was really convincing. And, and with Kristen Stewart, it looks like he's done that again. And the fact that he chose Kristen Stewart, it's like, I believe in this person. It's going to play this role. And just like everybody knows who Jackie Onassis was, everybody knows, you know, and it's like Princess Diana. It's one of those faces. Where, and it's like, that's a lot to take on. But I feel like from what you can tell in the trailer, Kristen Stewart knocked it out of the park. Yeah, so. I agree. I agree. Now, I'm really looking forward to that. That's great. Release date on that was you said November. Uh, I think so. I can't okay. remember, but um, it's it's definitely an Oscar season. So. All right. Well, uh, let me cap us off on the news side with a project that is um, still early phases, so we don't have you know a trailer or even release date for it. But okay, uh, I'm interested in this project, but I'm also interested in what this project has to say about a bigger studio um, assortment of films coming up soon. Okay, so um, there's a film. Coming up, that's going to be uh, made called Raymond and Ray. Raymond and Ray. Yes. Okay. It is going to be an Apple original film, meaning it's going to come directly to Apple TV. So is it the character from Everybody Loves Raymond and Ray Charles? And like they have several. That was like my understanding of the first draft. Awesome. Uh, but then they changed it okay. and they got rid of that conceit. But they left <laughs> the name Raymond and Ray. Okay. Um, it is about two brothers. Okay. Uh, actually, half brothers. Two half brothers who have lived in the shadow of a terrible father. Hmm. But somehow they still each have a sense of humor. And with his funeral, it's a chance for them to reinvent themselves. Hmm. Uh, the tagline I'm reading says, this is courtesy of Deadline, says there's anger, there's pain, there's folly, there might be love, and there's definitely grave digging. So already, oh yeah, it's fine. It's a nice, interesting <laughs> okay. premise of a film. Uh, but where the film gets me is the two lead actors they have playing Raymond and Ray. That would be a Mr. Ewan McGregor hmm. and a Mr. Ethan Hawke playing two half-brothers. Totally digging it. Huh. I can absolutely see that. And playing them as two people 
that sounds like uh, have had a lot of hangups with a very, very horrible father uh, that they grew up with now kind of coming to terms with his passing and how they reinvent themselves as adults. I think there's something interesting here. Yeah. So I'm excited about this. Rodrigo Garcia, uh, who's known for directing uh, In Treatment, Mm -hmm. and Albert Knobs, which I think was the Glenn Close movie from several years ago. Uh, Okay. Uh, We'll be writing and directing it. Uh, Alfonso Cuaron is producing it. Hmm. So that's also very interesting as well. Yeah. Um, the film will be released on Apple TV as an exclusive film there. So all that pretty interesting, uh, but hmm. it didn't cause me to look a little deeper. And like, I've heard a lot of Apple TV announcements in the last uh, several months. And it caused me to kind of want to sum up just exactly what Apple is releasing <laughs> from original movies over the next little bit. Get a load of this. Okay. okay. We've got, uh, there's the film, um, let's see, Martin Scorsese's got a film coming out, Killers of the Flower Moon with Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro. I knew that that was coming out, was not aware that that was an Apple mm-hmm. TV Plus film. It is. Okay. Uh, the new Tom Hanks movie that's going to be coming out in a few months called Finch. Is a, I think it's a science fiction movie. It's actually an Apple TV original movie. Oh, man, that okay, that one have not heard of. This is the first time. Uh, Marhashal Ali and Naomi Harris starring in a movie called Swan Song. Okay. It'll be an Apple TV movie. Hmm. You have heard of this one, the Joel Cohen's movie, The Tragedy of Macbeth, starring Denzel Washington and Francis McDormand. Okay. Um, let's <laughs> see. There's a movie starring and produced by Julianne Moore. Uh, I don't think it has a name yet. An upcoming young adult adaptation of The Skies Everywhere. Um, So, all that being said, these are all Apple TV original films. All coming out over the next uh, year, let's say. Uh, Plus, you had Coda, which is already online now. So, I'll tell you. I mean, we kind of talked about this early on where Apple TV, I think, was going to really go after the more prestigious, more high caliber film. It wasn't going to be about quantity. It was going to be about quality. And I think this description shows you that's where they seem to be focused on right now. So, right. Whereas Netflix, you know, they've did a horror trilogy that came out. It's like called fear street. And they did like all three films are released them. I think one after each other, like Mm -hmm. one a week or so. And yeah, it seems like Apple TV plus this thing is much more like, okay, we're going after the prestige. Yeah, We're going to go after <laughs> the bigger projects, the bigger right. names and all. So um, very interesting. I will just say mm-hmm. that it's a uh, very interesting. I love the idea of Raymond and Ray. I love the two actors involved um, with Alfonso Cuaron producing it, mm-hmm. not directing it, but at least producing it. There's got some caliber there. So, uh, some, some artistry involved, hopefully. And then the whole slate of Apple TV films coming up. It's just really exciting to see. So I'm very curious to see how this service keeps building out. And that is our news items for this episode. Again, Spencer, the trailer, we talked about that. Raymond and Ray on Apple TV. And then I also mentioned the Lion King prequel uh, directed by Mr. Barry Jenkins coming up. All right, Chris. Well, now we're at the end of the show. This is where you and I both give a recommendation of a film that we think is worth checking out. Uh, Maybe somebody has missed. Maybe they just need to go back and revisit. Or maybe it's a brand new film that we got to catch up with. Uh, Why don't you go first? What have you got to recommend for us this week? So I'm going to recommend a film you just mentioned, Coda, that is on Apple TV+. And 
uh, CODA is standing for a child of deaf adults. Mm -hmm. And that's because in this film, uh, Ruby is the only one in her family who is hearing. The other members of her family, her mom, her dad, her brother, are all deaf. And the family has a fishing business and it gets threatened. And then Ruby finds herself kind of torn between pursuing a love of music or, you know, staying with her parents and helping them with the family business. Um, so it did, the film came out, it just recently came out on Apple TV plus, but it was picked up at Sundance where I believe it won like an audience award at Sundance and Apple TV plus picked it up and, uh, they released it recently and, um, I really, really liked it. The story sounds very, I've seen a lot of critics kind of say, yeah, it's your typical kind of, you know, Sundancey thing where it's kind of quirky. It has some comedic elements. What makes it unique is the focus that three out of the four main people in the movie, they are deaf. And so Mm -hmm. there's a lot of signing and they, you know, put the words along the bottom for people to be able to tell what they're saying. But it's kind of a slice of life that you don't normally see on the big screen. So it's good from the representation aspect. And it's it's a kind of heartwarming family family drama. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I was surprised that you know, yes, it does do some things that people could consider cheesy, but all put together, the film on its merits alone, it kind of makes you say, you know what, I don't care. You know, it was mm-hmm. just a nice nice film. So that is Coda, directed by Cyan Header, which I was not familiar with her work, and um, so this is her first film that I've actually seen. But um, all right, it's good. on Apple TV. Sorry, and the one the said. one actress that you may recognize, she plays the mom is Marley Maitland. Yeah. You may recognize her because she's been around for a long time. And I yes. believe she won an Academy Award for um, Children of a Lesser God. So Correct. you'll recognize her as you're like, oh, yes, I recognize her as an actress who's deaf. But um, it's just, it was it was a pleasant surprise. So that's Good. Coda. All right, Coda on Apple TV yes. Plus, if you are a subscriber to that. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, well, my recommendation of a film, I'm going to go back a little ways. Um, Chris, it's, getting close to football season it is um college football more specifically and high school football kind of getting into that fall time and i'm more of a basketball guy but i am a sucker for really good sports movies and something about football i don't know what it is but good football movies always kind of get me i think i would almost put money on where this is going and if it is it's a movie i may finally have to see because i don't think i've seen it um, okay. No, I don't think it is. Oh. I, I don't think it's, I don't think I'm going to go there. Oh, okay. I, I, I could be talking about remember the Titans. I'm not, I could be talking about Rudy. That's I'm the not. one I thought you were talking about. I'm not about. going to. <laughs> okay. No, okay. But you should still see. Rudy. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm going to say you need to see it, but, um, no, I'm going to go a little, little different. Um, there's a, a football film that I think gets a little overshadowed because most people think of this one in terms of the TV show that followed, which I will say, I like the TV show a little better, okay. the first season or two anyway, of Friday Night Lights. Now, see, I've however, seen the film of yeah. that, and it was good. However, the film is what I'm going to recommend right now. Gotcha. Because I do think it is a good film. Um, Peter Berg's the director. Uh, we have Billy Bob Thornton uh, starring in it as the coach. It is based on a book, and the, the whole story is it's profiling a football team, a high school football team that kind of is in a very economically depressed town called Odessa, Texas. And uh, the the high school football team is kind of this very well-respected, just great program. But they encounter a setback early on where uh, their superstar tailback, um, 
or I'm sorry, uh, suffers a career-ending injury in the first game of the season. So it's all about this team having to kind of band together after this big injury happens and how do they still kind of proceed forward, especially since the town does so rely so much on them and seeing them as successful because it helps lift the town in general from the state they're in. Uh, it's a good movie. It's a lot deeper a movie than just a rah-rah football movie. Um, I think acting is is really strong across the board on it. And it does introduce us to a lot of younger actors that I think over time do get a little bit more well-known. Garrett, Hud- Garrett Hedlund, uh, Derek Luke, Jay Hernandez, um, all of these kind of having smaller parts as players. Amber Heard is in this film, kind of in a small role as one of the students there. So a lot of younger actors that go on to do some really interesting projects as well. Uh, Lucas Black uh, is in the film. Um, Billy Bob Thornton is the coach. He plays Coach Gaines. Now, I will say this. He's good. I like Coach Gaines. Um, <laughs> but for my money, if you watch this film, then you need to immediately roll over and watch at least the first season. I will admit, as the seasons go on, I think it goes – four or five seasons, it loses some steam after the second season or so. Okay. But the first two seasons of Friday Night Lights, the TV show, are really, really good. And as much as Billy Bob Thornton may be really good as the coach in the movie, Kyle Chandler as Coach Taylor in the TV show, much better. So just <laughs> let the movie be kind of a little bit of a setup and a teaser for you. Got you. Uh, a couple of interesting notes, though. Connie Britton, who plays the coach's wife in the movie, mm-hmm. Is also the coach's wife in the TV show, but okay. it's a different coach. So nice, kind of interesting there. Yeah. It's Coach Taylor in the TV show. It is Coach um, Gaines in the movie. So take that as you will. Hmm. Um, Tim McGraw does have a part. He's a country singer, plays in the movie, plays a father of one of the players. A very uh, interesting kind of different part for him. I think he's also in the TV show, at least a little bit. If I remember correctly, maybe I'm remembering that wrong. Hmm. I think he may be. Anyway, he's really good in the movie. Okay. He's very surprising, not what you'd expect from him as a country music singer going into acting. He's really, really good as a kind of, I think, a drunken, more slightly abusive father. Um, so anyway, really good part there. Gotcha. So that's Friday Night Lights. Uh, it's just it's just a good movie. It's a lot more. It's a lot deeper than just football. But I think we all have seen here in the South towns and programs that are hinging so much on football or basketball or some other athletic sport to kind of help lift, lift them up as a, as a community. And this is a great example of that taking place. Watch the movie and then, you know, cue up the first at least two seasons oh, of wow. the TV show, I would say, okay. uh, to have a, have a good time with that as well. Friday Night Lights is my recommendation. Coda is Chris's recommendation. Both available online. Coda is with your Apple TV Plus subscription. Uh, Friday Night Lights, you can see just about any, I think it's on Prime Video right now. And it's also available for rent or purchase on any other service as well. And Chris, I think that's it for today's show. We're going to go and wrap it up. We had our reviews of Annette. We had our reviews of Free Guy. Our news items in here just wrapped up with our recommendations. If anybody has any thoughts or feedback for us on anything we talked about, Chris, how can they get a hold of us? You can send an email to info at footcandle.org. You can follow us on Twitter at footcandlefilm. Alan and I are also on Letterboxd where you can track what we're seeing. And sometimes we give uh, short little reviews. 
Give us a star rating or write a review or share with your friends on iTunes. It helps us reach new listeners. If you wouldn't mind, we'd appreciate it. We are also available on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, and Pocket Cast. All right. So, and again, remember the Foot Candle Film Festival coming up September 22nd through the 26th of 2001. We will be both here in Hickory. 2021. Oh, did I say 2001? <laughs> 2021. <laughs> Sorry, my bad. Time has flown. Uh, 2021. Uh, we will be here in Hickory, uh, all things uh, as they are right now, as well as having the films available virtually too. So come join us one way or another. We'd love to have you be a part of the festival this year. And with that, we'll sign off for today. Thanks for listening to Foot Candle Films, and we will talk to you next time. See you in the ticket line. Special thanks to Carpal Tuller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Tuller, visit www.carpaltuller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.